This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track mounted accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. This segment is brought to you by J. Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Let's go! This is the Chasing the Tide Saltwater segment on the Palin Fin Network. I'm your host, Dustin Nichols. Come along for the saltwater shenanigans. Hey, once again, everybody, I'm back with another segment of Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. Uh, you know me, my name's Dustin, and tonight we got a special guest. We got Marty Mood, one of my fellow uh, Torquedo fishing team teammates, uh, also with Fish USA. And he was, uh, um, I think, another little tidbit I found out he was an original Hobie fishing team member, like from the get go, correct? Is that what it is? Did I get that right or no? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I was. I'll say I was one of the first. Yeah, I don't. I don't one know of the first. The first, but definitely one. I was the first regular guy. There you go. Well, yeah, I'm gonna tell I, you I right now. There was um, me and me and Hank, Hank Parker. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Marty OG man. He's uh, <laughs> he he's definitely uh been on some podiums. Uh, so he's, he's I think you can see behind him. I see strong, some IFA plaques back there. No part of that. No. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. Well, cool deal. Well, just uh, tell everybody, you know, Marty Mood, 
tell everybody a little bit of backstory, like, uh, you know, what are you, how you got into kayak fishing? What, what, what brought you into that plastic boat? You know, give a little bitty, you know, a backstory about, you know, where you live a little bit and kind of roll into it from there. Yeah. So, well, right now I live in Winchester, Virginia. I've only been here a couple of years. Um, some of what we were talking about here before the show, I, I got into it actually down in Texas, the, but not too far from where you're at. Uh, yes, sir. Down there for flight school in the Navy, um, where I met Chad Hoover and, and Dean Thomas and, uh, and all some of the, some of the bigger oh, yeah. OG names in the sport. But, uh, you know, down there with, uh, I used to do it was before I ever had a kayak was doing a lot of flats fishing and you know how the oil mm -hmm. channels and the deep water was all, you, you got beautiful flats separated by deep water and you, you know, you'd be on one wade fishing and you'd always see fish blowing up or activity on another flat and <laughs> yeah. just, you know, always happened. And one day I'm sitting there yep. and here comes this guy palling around some of the marsh in a, in a kayak with a rod sticking out and the light bulb, you know, light bulb went off. It's like, ah, why, why didn't I think about that? And so, uh, you know, back then I, I didn't know anything about it. It was obviously not as big as it was today, but I, a couple nights later, um, after so I was up late studying and flipping through channels and the, one of the original Hank Parker, Hobie Outback commercials came on your late night uh, TV commercial. And I saw that and it was like, that's it. That's I just, it hit me. I said, that I, that's what I need. And, and so that I talked to wife into getting a Hobie Outback for, I think for my birthday, like a couple months later and it, I was off to the races. Um, oh, cool deal. And then from there, you know, got to know, started searching, started searching on the internet and found uh, the back uh, Texas kayak fishing. Yes. Forum with uh, Tom Silverfield was just yes. just kicking off, really starting to just explode. Um, I was right down the road from Dean Thomas, so I got to meet him, and then I really just got to know some of the you know sort of the pioneers, especially in that area. And yeah, yeah it was it's off to the races for me. It was uh, yeah, it was one awesome. of my my uh, um, my territory sales. Yeah, being in the Navy, I from there. yeah. That uh, you happened to fish with Scott Knoll any back then? Oh yeah, yeah. I like yeah. you know Scott. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I his, his, his wife, him and Hugh Thomas uh, used to be. Yeah, I'm sorry, y'all. We got a little bit of a lag going on. Yeah, we got a little bit of a lag for some reason. Um, I'll give a little time here after I'm done. But yeah, Camille, his wife is a uh, my territory sales manager oh, for uh, for Jackson, and uh, it's a cool deal. Yeah, Scott's a good dude. He does some good stuff over here. Right on. <laughs> oh yeah. I like Dean and uh, Scott and Dean. They were like, uh, you know, uh, just inseparable at that time. They were always together and uh, just cutting on each other and carrying on. But the closest friends, mm. I get to know both of them pretty well. I know Camille. Uh, my friend, I was talking to her on the Internet or Facebook just uh, maybe a week or so ago. So, yeah, they're just great people. And yes. Super good fishermen, you know, great people to hang out with when you're not fishing. Um, I mean, you know, what I don't know what else to say about those guys. If you, you know, if you know them, you know, they're they're just awesome people all around. So, I yeah, would definitely love top to get back notch. Out of Texas and fish with both those guys again. Yeah. Well, come on, because I'll join y'all too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be ready to go. That'd be ready awesome. to go. You never know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. We gonna get on into this here. I just, uh, you know, as you you started out in the early days on, um, you know, and what what time frame would that have been? Would that have been in the 
That was uh, early two. I got my. I got my first kayak early two thousand three. Okay. I hadn't even thought about getting a kayak. I was still in the surf game, <laughs> surfing and skateboarding. A lot of, like lot a of people had back kid. then. It was yeah, it was dude. Yeah. That back then you were still getting looks every time you showed up to the water. Like, what what the hell are you doing? Are you fishing out of that thing? And, you know what's all that stuff on that? You know, every time you launch, hey. it's twenty questions. We still get that, especially for the bass tournaments when we got yeah. 10 and 12 rods on the kayak yeah. and every, all the boats are like, what in oh, the yeah. world are y'all doing in that thing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So what uh, what do you see uh, comparing the early days like that um, of kayak fishing to, to, to you know, towards today, um, the growth and advancement in the gear? What, what kind of have you seen over the years kind of? I mean, trend that way. The biggest thing, obviously, is uh, you know nowadays people are actually things are actually made and marketed toward kayak fishermen, and there there is a such thing as a kayak fisherman. Back then, it was mm -hmm. you know we were taking uh, normal kayaks, but really the Hobie Outback I think was probably one of the first kayaks that was actually marketed to fishermen. You know, or at least in, in partially marketed toward. Fisherman, it had the Hank Parker name on it, all that. Other than that, I mean, they were just regular recreational kayaks, and guys were redneck engineering, you know, equipment yes, and, and rod holders and, and tackle management stuff to 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 make it work. Um, but it was, you know, it wasn't made for that. Now you have, you know, obviously, you know, tackle shops and, and manufacturers are really catering to the kayak fishermen. It's I mean, it's just exploded. It's made everything better, you know, obviously more efficient, more ergonomic, everything. I mean, the, it's it's just from, you know, it's like going from Model T to the, you know, the, the new Corvette. It's, it's, it's the same right. kind of thing, right. you know. It yeah, definitely totally is. I, and, you know, I, I recorded another segment earlier um, with a with a lady angler and you can you've seen a lot. I've seen a lot more influx of them here recently, too. And just oh, like yeah. a topic we touched on was like. You know, was time management on the water and having to and extending your range and then the organization of tackle on your boat and knowing where everything's at, you know, is a big part in that. And, and that's what the advancement over the years with these accessory companies like uh, Yak Attack and Yak Gadget and the yeah. companies uh, Yak Gear and, and Railblazer and that have all these accessories that you can add and just have everything at hand's reach, which we're not like a boat. Yeah. We don't have a big 300 horsepower to push us around and we don't have a, you know, lots of room. We have limited space. And, you know, what I like to see over the past, you know, six, seven years since I've kind of jumped into it is, is how everything is, is catered to us as far as being as kayak anglers, there's accessories just for us, you know, which is really cool because then it just makes oh, yeah. it that much easier it, on the water yeah. for us, you know? Yeah. Manufacturers started, you know, not only marketing to us, but, at, but listening to kayak fishermen, uh, listening to what they want, really, you know, really making things fit what we do um, and, and making it easy to just plug and play. And you just didn't have that, yes. you know, back ten, even, even 10 years ago. I mean, it just didn't exist like it does now. Um, and Yak Attack, Luther at Yak Attack. I mean, he, I call him right. a bad scientist. <laughs> yes. Another yes. one, like, you know, another guy I've got to meet and be good friends with. Uh, just amazing. You know, it's, the, the people they have to take an idea and turn it into to something that, that we can use. And, and just, it just makes it so much easier to get into the sport 
and uh, and be good at it. You know, just it's safer. It's you're more efficient. Yes, everything. Yep. So. And it's crazy that it all started from a from a 360 light that he came up with, and it just kind of grew from there. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> and it's, you know? it is, it's like, the, uh, I mean, it's just like, a, you know, Microsoft. He started in his garage or his basement, you mm -hmm. know, made the one thing. And, yeah, it, it took off and kind of what started as a, almost like a hobby. And now he's, he's got, I don't know, 20-some employees and a big warehouse. And yeah, it's awesome. So. Yeah, that's super cool that he, he just come up with that, you know. And then the stuff that they just – it never ceases to amaze me of the new stuff that just comes out. You know, it's like, oh, wow, they got something else now. And then they updated their, you know, uh, camera mounts and then the other things with the way the, the quick release, the, the lock and load oh, yeah. uh, the attachments to move around. It, it's yep. just like every every new little thing's popping up. It's like, man, who in the world's coming up with that? Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, not only is he a mad scientist and the, I mean, he's, he's you know, a genius at, at engineering and everything else but he's surrounded himself with a bunch of other you know redneck geniuses and then uh guys who can just you know take an idea and then just come out with something just like just run just with it just visualize yeah. it and put it on paper yeah. that's the main thing to be able yep. to do is just amazing. you know yeah just be able to think about it and visualize and put it to paper and then put it to a product and that's that's pretty yeah. cool <laughs> well yeah. i know you go I've, I've you know been, back in the og and uh, no, go, go back in the early scene quite a bit. Um, you know, what do you see? You know, talk a little bit about back in the day, some of the events, you know, uh, what the DOA powders events you do any though? I know you did some of the Extreme Edge series. Um, the Extreme Edge was that was the first. So, uh, I get the biggest difference, uh, back then is you know, they had a Almost all the tournaments when they started up were small club tournaments or, you know, one of one like charity tournaments, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think Extreme Edge, that's the one I fish. I don't, I don't, it, DOA was kind of more in South Florida. And South I Florida, didn't okay. Not as much, but the uh, Extreme Edge, Extreme Edge was the first, at least that I know of, tournament where I actually took a, tried to do a series, like an organized mm -hmm. series, do a points thing and a leader, you know, angler of the year and leaderboard type thing and really bring pe people. Uh, from a little bit wider area. Um, yeah. I was the first, you know, quote unquote national champion of that, even though it was, it was all just Gulf coast States, but it was, I mean, that was the only, as far as we knew, we were the only uh, tournament series, you know, organized series to mm -hmm. do anything like that. Um, and then obviously now, I mean, that's just like the sport itself. It's exploded. You know, IFA came along. Um, yes. Obviously, Chad with KBF and now KSS, the IFA kite series is, you know, they um, now anywhere in the United States, I mean, you've got a tournament series of some sort that you can be a part of if you want to. Yep. I mean, the opportunities are just uh, everywhere. So. Right. Even like local clubs, like uh, Low Country Kayak Anglers, Bayou Coast Kayak Anglers, that's one of the oldest ones in Louisiana, like tons of members. Uh, the minimalist challenge they have, yep. those, uh, you know, the Fall oh, yeah. and Tide tournament. They have great tournaments and great turnouts. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you know, even us yeah. over here, we got some local clubs that have a, a split series with two freshwater and two saltwater events, which is really cool. Um, yep. We got a lady, a ladies tournament going on right now, an online event with 38 ladies signed up, which is really that's cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get, get the ladies great. involved, yeah, too. Um, they're putting up some solid yeah. fish, too. Yeah, I'm actually going to judge that one. It's cool. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some there's some ladies who can flat out fish now. Uh, you know, again, that was 
like you said, I think you said it was, you know, a lot, 10, 15 years ago, hardly any ladies in the sport. And now, I mean, it's, oh. yeah, they're everywhere. And they, that's the thing about fishing. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't have to be super strong, super fast, you know, any mm -hmm. of that. You can, you can compete right along with anybody else. It's, it's a level playing field. So. Yep, for sure. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For sure. I know. And, and then, you know, as far as back then versus today, um, you know, on the kayak, the, the tournament scene, you know, it seems like it's definitely growing too. And I see a lot of the, uh, you know, the grassroots clubs is what really feeds into all the bigger events. And, uh, I think it's really cool. We, we, we all have opportunities, even as, as new people starting out that can come in and kind of get guided along. Cause I, I, for one, I like to help people too. Um, and I know you've been around a while now with it too. So I was just trying to get your gauge on all that, you know, um, just with all the, the new influx of oh, yeah. and everything. And just, it's just really cool. <laughs> yeah. That's the best, that probably the best thing for the sport has been, the, the grassroots local clubs, um, you know, it, it's a little bit less competitive, a little less, uh, obviously the money's not as much, that sort of thing, but it's more friendly environment. You know, there's not as much on the line and that's really where guys are more willing to help, especially newcomers out. Um, and, you know, um, you know, just, just help them out and bring them in and, and teach them and everything. And for a new, somebody new into the sport, I mean, that's just the best mm -hmm. way to learn everything. Not, you know, obviously a lot of people already know how to fish, but even if you don't, you know, they're going to take you out and eat, just being there, seeing, you've seen how everybody has their kayaks rigged, how they do mm -hmm. things. You talked about time management on the water, all that stuff. That's where you can really pick up on a lot of stuff and learn that. I, I mean, I, I'm stepping back now. So I, you know, I, was in the Navy and I was doing a lot of the saltwater stuff and, and inshore and all that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm back to kind of where I grew up and I, I grew up trout fishing and bass fishing, not too far from where I live now, but it's, it's like I'm learning all over again, you know? So I, <laughs> I go to tournaments now and I'm, you know, I, I feel like a newbie now in, in the whole thing. Cause it's just different. You know, um, I, I've been blessed to travel all around and fish for, a ton of different species and, and all over the country and the world for that matter. The world. Yep. Um, but it's kind of that idiom where you like, like a jack of all trades, but master of none, you know, I'm not really good at any of it. <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> uh, I've worked as a chef. I mean, I went to culinary yeah. school. Um, I drove, I drove, uh, yeah. drove trains. I was an engineer on trains. <laughs> so, and then I work at a petrochemical plant. I've been there almost 23 years, so I've, I've kind of stuck that one out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I, mean, I like the shift work, so I can uh, finish yeah. in the mornings after my night shifts and all that good there stuff. Go. And then I was in the and I was in the Marine Corps, so yeah. there you go. There's a, quite a bit of a stagger there. <laughs> oh, yeah. dang, crayon eater. <laughs> I've, I've been all over the place, too. Yes, sir. Sure. Well, I, um, you know, and, you know, I am, I'm a veteran myself, and, uh, I see you did you did a, a fair amount of time in the Navy there, and then as an aviator, did, when you first went in, you were uh, you were enlisted, 
And then you went to college and then came back and reenlisted as an officer and went to flight school, correct? Yes, sir. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I, I understand yeah. what, what that yeah, is yeah, to I was, go. I yeah, I usually, I, usually, I usually do. I usually do. <laughs> Uh, man, that's that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. I got a yeah, I got a buddy. He was actually uh, in. Whoopus. I know we got a lag going sorry, on. I do man. not Delay. know what's Delay's going on. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Delay got us that time. But uh, yeah. I got a buddy that that I went to high school with that went in the year after I did, and he ended up being stationed in Corpus, and he did some scheduling there, and it was probably in the the late '90s when he was there. And then he went back to Virginia. He's in Norfolk and he went all the way up to E8 and then got commissioned. He's a CWO four now. This is his 31st year in the service. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's why I understand it coming back. He's he's no curmudgeon, no doubt. Yeah. That's that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, what I was trying to get, though, I got sidetracked a little bit was, uh, you know, your background in the Navy and then different duty stations, uh, you know, being in the service. How did you manage time to fish being in the service? You know, um, the, the weekends or was it that busy? Uh, well, or? Obviously, it's tough. Uh, so it was um, it, it came and went, you know, uh, enlisted. I honestly, I didn't fish that much when I was enlisted. Um, then I got out. And when I was in school, I did a, I, I kind of got back to what I, I, I grew up fishing all the time. Um, got away from a little bit of while I was enlisted, just the places I was stationed and whatnot. Um, then when I went back to school, uh, I was actually, my, my degree is actually wildlife fisheries biology. <laughs> so, oh, cool deal. um, spent a lot more time outdoors. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I just wanted to get back to it. I kind of got away from things and I want to get back to doing stuff that I, I really enjoyed. Um, so Wildlife fisheries is major, but I was also uh, Frostburg up in Western Maryland, and um, I mean it's outdoor, kind of an outdoor paradise up there. Not not many people know about, um, but got back into fishing really heavy again. Uh, did that, and then obviously when I went back in the Navy, um, think about a lot of the air naval air stations. I mean they're in some just incredible fishing spots. Uh, yes, so. Uh, during flight school, you know, it, it, when you're an officer, it's a lot easier as well because, you know, you're, you're a big boy and they treat like a big boy. So, um, you know, during flight school, I had a lot of time off. That's where I met Hoover. And then, you know, so I started kayak fishing down there. Um, and I had if I wasn't flying or studying, you know, I, I managed my study time. And, and if I wasn't flying or studying, I was fishing. Um, I got married down there. And then, you know, four kids, it's always obviously a lot easier. Um, so flight school was, I had a pretty decent amount of time to fish. Um, and then, you know, through my career, as long as I wasn't deployed, uh, right. being a pilot, you know, there, there's, you, 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 uh, you can carve out enough time to, you know, at least, um, keep it interesting and then you get some time on the water. You know, so, uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, that's cool. It's been challenging. I, honestly, it's been a little bit more challenging now that I've been retired and some of the jobs I've had, uh, you know, and, and moving to a new area. That didn't help um, with kids and activities and everything else. It's, yes. it's, it's actually it's actually more of a challenge now a lot of times than it was when I was in the military. So. Oh, that's crazy. And you you just got back from a stand over in uh, Australia, actually, which is pretty cool. 
You had to go over there. Yeah, that, yeah, I, that that definitely wasn't a hardship for. Her. <laughs> uh, so with the I so I, yeah, I do a lot. I do uh, aero firefighting now, and uh, the company I'm with. Um, so when we do in the summertime, the American summer, uh, we do right. typically we do two weeks on, two weeks off, and then when our fire season dies off, we normally would go to. Australia and we do 30 day rotations. Um, but because of COVID and the travel restrictions and quarantine um, protocols, all that stuff, they, my company actually, um, they offered to, if you wanted to go and stay in Australia for the whole season, uh, Hey, they'll say, Hey, we'll, we'll pay your pay. If your family can go to accompany you, we'll pay to have your family come over, stay in Australia wow. with the, with you. We'll, we'll put you in an Airbnb, a rental car. I mean, they, did it and actually it sounds like a lot that actually saved them money because we weren't traveling back and forth so much um and the quarantine stuff was going to come out of our schedule so it was i mean it was a win-win for everybody and then we all went down there so my, my whole family came down and it oh, wow. ended up being like the perfect scenario because they had you know they had a, a nightmare fire season there last year I, I, even people here yes. you know a lot yeah. of people heard about yes. it um this year it was the exact opposite it was wet and you know, cool and wet for the whole time. I think I flew on two or three fires the whole time I was there, and so oh, wow. I, we got to spend a lot of time as a family just seeing the country and then um, making friends. I mean, we got like my my wife has friends there that've been ever every day since we've been back. She's been texting, and talking with them. So uh, oh, just that's cool. An incredible experience. So yeah, I was going to say it's and definitely a, a great experience for the kids. Yeah, I'll just say probably the best one is I got took my son on the charter and we both caught our first bear Monday. So knock oh, that cool. one out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. I'd love know. to get I was myself. Yeah. I have been wanting to catch a bear Monday. I was supposed to so I was supposed to go on a trip to fish for bear Monday twenty thirteen, the year after I won the worlds in the US, you know, went to Australia and um was supposed to go on a separate trip. Um for, for bear Monday and the long story, the Navy canceled that all because of a Navy commitment. I couldn't do it. And so ever since 2013, I've been dying to catch a bear Monday and had, I've had a couple of chances through work and then it's just it's terrible conditions, whether, you know, during the off season and everything else, but uh, we finally made it happen. So yeah, it was a, it was a crazy good trip. Yeah. That's super cool. You know, you talk about the world's, um, you happened to win one in 2012. I think that was the second, uh, second Hobie Worlds event. Yeah, and yep. and it happened to, happened to sure be in was. Texas on uh, Lake Bastrop and Lake Fayette, which are two of my favorite lakes, lakes, and they're both within an hour and 15 minutes from my house. And I have I have done pretty well myself in some tournaments on those lakes. <laughs> so I was, that was a pretty cool fact yeah. to, to I looked up and found out about you. And uh, you know, talk a little bit about <laughs> that experience. Uh, what kind of uh, emotions? Um, I know from just winning a, you know, 48, 40 angler club tournament, I'm pretty hyped up or, you know, just stuff like that. I get hyped. Uh, you know, what yeah. kind of emotions did, were running through you when you yeah. realized, hey, I'm crowned the champion of Hobie Worlds after qualifying for this. And and that just had to be a great, great experience. So you, well, I'd like to hear a little bit about that. <laughs> it it was it was pretty special. Uh, definitely. Uh, I. To this day, probably, you know, one of the probably the top memory as far as at least in kayak fishing in, in my life. Um, it was amazing. And, and you talk about emotion. I I mean, 
that was a roller coaster ride that tournament for me it was uh, i was all over the place i really for a lot of that tournament i struggled with that um i you know I, so i had been i, I basked again i basked growing up um and i you know i basked a little bit the whole throughout the whole my whole time but I was uh, at that time. I was a very saltwater focused angler. I hadn't bass fished probably in a couple of years, um, but you know, kind of knew what I was doing. Like, you know, I, I had a still had an advantage over you know the Taiwanese and the, mm -hmm. you know yeah. some of the <laughs> some of the Australians and that you know yes, that sir. sort of thing. But uh, and I talked to some. I, I did talk to some local guys, so I had a little bit of an idea of a game plan what I wanted to do. Um, but I went out. The, the, the first day was on bass trip, and um, I, my, we had, I think we had one practice day. Practice did not go real well, and I and I really, uh, actually, to so our practice day, we the first part of the practice day, the way the, the worlds works, it, it, at least back then, was you took, you had every American who supposedly knew what they were doing, <laughs> well, had <laughs> two or three or four, you know, uh, of the foreign competitors, and would take them out and just trying to trying to get them familiar with the water, familiar with a couple of techniques that could catch them some bass. You know, they they. Yeah. Part of the world is they want everyone to catch fish and have a good time, and and, and that's part of the, the draw. I mean, it's people from all over the world who have the same you know same kind of passion and everything else, and it's that's part of the special atmosphere. It's just amazing just to be there and, and be around those people and hang out with them for you know a week the whole week and uh, just amazing. Um, so anyway, did that and then tried to go and, and find some stuff that worked into what I was going to do and. Um, I felt okay that the, you know going into the first day, uh, and, and by noon on the first day, I did not have a keeper on the board. <laughs> I oh wow! Had caught a couple dinks, um, and I yeah I, I ran into uh, I met up with uh, Rob. You probably know Robbie Milam, or maybe then you might know him. He's down. He's a Texan down there. He was there. I bumped into him, and he, he only had to think two. He, he was struggling a little bit too, but um, you know one of the one of the local, somewhat local Texas guys that I had talked to leading up, he said, listen, he we, we talked about doing some frogging in a certain area, and it was like, hey, the later it gets in, the, what, the pattern doesn't really turn on until the sun gets up, and they start hiding under that stuff, and I'm like, mm -hmm. so I didn't really, I hadn't given up yet, but I was struggling. Didn't have a keeper till noon, and uh, I finally wandered into an area that it looked perfect to, you know, what I wanted to do, and Man, I started working this frog in some of the, the some of the deep cattails and reeds, and within like two minutes, had a 19-inch fish. And for like the next, you know, hour and a half, two hours, I, it was it was just game on. I had I think I probably caught 20 fish in the next two hours, and they were all nice fish. So day one, I was in the lead, feeling good. Um, and then we were going. That was the only competition day on Bastro. We went. We had a day off. Traveled to um lake fayette mm -hmm. and thought the pattern i kind of the first day so the first fishing day at fayette i said I, i'm going to stay with the same kind of pattern I did, I did some other stuff in the morning dinks and then not too good and i really struggled on fayette i just couldn't find the same kind of areas um and i you know nobody's real familiar with the lake because i never fished it um so uh i had a, you thought this my, i had a Total Mike Iconelli moment, day two. I literally caught, so I I think I caught my first keeper around one o'clock in the morning, or I mean, one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, wow. Uh, I think we had to check in. I think we had to check in at three, and I caught my 
third and so that it was a three fish limit is what you needed for there. I didn't catch my third keeper literally until and when I say the last minute, I was across from the launch, across the little creek from where we launched that. And so you had a you had a little identifier token and you had to have your token on the uh, table, the judge's table at three sharp. And if you anything after that, it was like, you know, you start getting penalties. I had one of my keepers was like a barely legal. I think 14 was the limit. It might have been if it was 14 inches. I think the fish, one of the fish I had, the fish number two was like 14 and an eighth. <laughs> and oh, wow. I flipped the frog in. I flipped the frog into a little pocket in the grass right across from the ramp at like 258. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Boom, blew up. I brought it in, slapped it on the measuring thing, took a picture, pedaled across the creek, literally was jumping out of the kayak as soon as I hit the bank, sprinted to the table and slammed my thing down. I looked at my watch. And it was like 259 and 40 seconds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so um, total, like Mike Iconelli never give up moment. You know, I was just yep. totally ecstatic. And then, you know, obviously if you don't catch three keepers in a day, you're, you know, you're done. You just, yep. it takes you right out of the run. So I call it three keepers, but I dropped to, I want to say third or fourth that day. I don't even remember, but I you know, dropped way down. You went from super high day one, feeling great. Then I got this thing down to, you know, oh, I'm hurting. And uh, a but we had after day one, there was I think eight of the top ten were all Americans. I think something like that. It was, it was it was seven or eight out of the top ten were all Americans after day one. After day two, I think it was only three or four Americans in the top ten, and then people were, you know, some of the the foreign competition. Uh, had moved in on us and we had a little team meeting like, listen, you know, we weren't working together real well. We weren't communicating, mm. kind of doing our own thing. Um, you know, we were all friendly with everyone and hang out, just great guys. But we, yeah. we, we had a little come together meeting yeah. after that date too. And a lot of us talked about what we were doing and what we, what we were looking for, that sort of thing. And, and Jose Chavez, um, the Florida angler, uh, he said, Hey, I got, perfect spot for you. I said, I, I, where I was today, you know, come there tomorrow and, and, and I think you'll find them. And so followed him. We went across the lake and uh, like all the way across Lake Fayette from where we were launching from to this spot. And somehow when we got there, um, there was one of the Australian guys was already in the exact spot where he was going to take me to. And he's, he's flipping a frog doing the same thing I was doing day one. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, those guys, you know, all those foreign competitors uh in the worlds they're awesome fishermen they might not know you know bass fishing but they know fishing and they pick up on things so quick and you know whether he saw me at bass up or you know got word of what i was doing whatever i mean he was in there doing the exact same thing i was doing i was like oh and so so i had hope real high hopes day three and i was you know i was like oh i was crushed um but we we decided to just fish around there i said i'll, I'll let him work through there and then I was going to come in behind him and uh, he just, he was picking it apart in hours. And so anyway, we were working this flooded timber off the, you know, a couple hundred yards away from him. There was some really good flooded timber and we start working yes. that. And I, I mean, I was, I threw some, I was selling some crankbaits and spinnerbaits and knocking them off the trees and nothing. 
but I was marking fish. I knew they were there. And I said, you know what? I'm going to drop shot. And so I don't, I just, I don't know. To this day, I couldn't tell you exactly what made me decide to do it, but I was just seeing them there, thinking me. So I'm going to drop shot and about the, the first drop, booms, 18 or 19 inch fish. I was like, oh, thank God. You know, put them on board, take a picture, re rig, pedal back over the same tree. Boom. It's like another 18, 19 inch fish. And I was like, I yelled after that fish. I yelled over. Jose was, you know, I was like, Jose. I was like, it's on. And it was the same thing as like day one from, from like the next two and a half hours. I mean, I was, it was like, I was culling one after the other and just kept moving up. And uh, the, uh, the camera boat had actually been on me for a long part of the day on day two and day three. And I, when I was stinking it up, they were there following me the whole time. I was just stinking it up. They didn't get any good footage. And I tried to call. I was like, listen, you guys need to get over here like right now. And uh, they were on some <laughs> of the other people. And by the time they got over there, by the time they get over there, there was only like 20 minutes left and the wind is kicking up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I finally caught one fish for them on camera. And I'm like, man, I got to go because I got to get back. You know, the, the you know, the, how the wind kicks up there and some of the rollers. I had to go all the way across the lake. Yes. And it was like two foot rollers. I was going back again. And I didn't have my torpedo yet at that point, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, was, right. Oh, it was a battle to get back. But uh, I, I think I made some kind of comment like, you know, I don't know if I won this thing. I said, but if anybody's going to beat me after today, they were going to have one hell of a day. Cause I just, yeah. it was magic when I started to drop shot and it was just one of those things. I mean, boom, boom, boom. And I had, yeah, I had, I think I, all three fish were 20 over 20 or right at 20. And I just knew just from, from whatever everyone else was catching the last couple of days, like I was feeling really good. And yeah, um, you still obviously, you're still a little uneasy and, and you didn't, you never know. But as they started calling names off, right. going down the thing, man, I, you start to get the goosebumps and the tingling. And yeah, it's just one of those, <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. one of those things we'll never forget. And uh, the people there just made it that much more special. Just, um, you know, just great guys. And some of the pictures that they took leading up to it and stuff, and they shared with me afterwards. Uh, just uh, one of the best experiences of my life as far as kayak fishing, for sure. Man, that's that's super cool. Uh, you know, I have a love hate relationship with Fayette at times because of that. That wind, that area just sucks the wind <laughs> in, yeah. and the roll, like you said, two three foot rollers. Oh, if it's man. blowing fifteen, if they're saying, "Oh, it's ten mile an hour wind," oh, yeah. oh it's gonna blow twenty five on Fayette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it but was, uh, it was. I, I it love was the every bit of that, that that afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do too. <laughs> but, I can yeah, imagine. And, and, you know, luckily we're all in. Yeah, we were all in pro anglers, so uh, obviously, yeah. you know, no better boat for to handle that rough stuff than that. And, uh, right. Luckily, I had that, and I was pedaling my butt off to get back that day. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. So, yeah, Hobie Worlds, that's a that's a definitely a big notch on the belt right there for sure. And then present day, I mean, uh, you know, Jeff Little with Torquedo, you know, he, he drug you into the KSS Striper Challenges, and the, uh, he's probably regretting it. <laughs> Yeah. I don't, well, no, I, I, he didn't have to drag. He didn't have to drag very hard. Uh, okay. He, he didn't have to choose your arm he too mentioned hard. It. Yeah. I was on board for, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he still, he still beat me. So he, he's okay. still number one. I'm number two, but, uh, it, it, in all fairness, uh, he, he actually, I, I've been, I've been cutting up with him 
you know, all last week and this week, I was like, I, I really appreciate you putting in all the legwork to find a fish just so I can show up. You know, I showed up from Australia, hadn't fished in months, and show up. He's he's got them all located for me, so all I had to do was go catch them today. I said, you're you're a hell of a guy, Jeff. I like it because he fished. He's put some time on the water this spring. Um, you know, the striper fishery is is not what it used to be here. Um, it, you know, there's still some good fish around. Um, but you know, it, it, there are definitely harder to find. They're definitely spread out more. And he put, he had a lot of skunk days leading up to this last couple of weeks. Um, and you know, brought kudos to him because he, he did all that work, went out and, and, and found them and then gave me a call and said, Hey, come join me. I'm on fish. You know, you're, you did. So, uh, part of that is he wants to, to grow the, Kayaks all series, series yep. get it, you know, kind of get it growing and, and, and moving in the right direction. Um, but you know, he's obviously not an ego guy, and uh, he, you know, wanted wanted to share it. So I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm stoked for the support. I'm not too um, proud, you know. It's cool that Jeff's jumped on and kind of got that series rolling, and I appreciate it because uh, I'm actually going to take over the kind of the reins of the KSS and kind of run it. Um, and help chat out and everything. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited to do that and uh, try to grow this series. And, you know, that's why it's just the kayak saltwater series. That way we can have challenges with multiple species. We can do a slam challenge. We can do a trout challenge, like some side stuff, you know, like the striper we got going on now, maybe rock bass and cal calico bass in California at one time, if that wants to jump on board or whatever. So yeah. there, there's some, there's some opportunities out there for sure. Um, you know, so, um, what area y'all are fishing in the uh, Chesapeake Bay area over there where you're at? Yeah. Yep. Chesapeake, uh, this time of year, uh, you know, the stripers are on the move. They're coming in. Um, they're moving yep. toward that spawning grounds. Um, you know, one of the big areas, obviously, Susquehanna Flats is no secret. Uh, and it's a big area. I don't think I'm spot burning there. We're not fishing that, uh, but we're fishing, mm -hmm. you know, river mouths and stuff that are leading that way. Um Maryland actually is closing down uh, this year at the end of March. So uh, April will be fishing south of that, hoping to try and find the same thing. But, uh, you know, almost any of the river mouths, there's, uh, you know, the Rappahannock and the Potomac and then all the rivers, the mm -hmm. shad are coming up in and the, the big stripers just following the shad and the bait coming up in. And then obviously they're getting their spawn on too. So um, pattern's kind of the same. We just uh, got to find the different areas where they're at. So. Yeah. And that uh that old motor on the back sure does help troll around on it. <laughs> Absolutely helps. Yeah, you know, again, there, there's not as many as there used to be, but you see, so you got to right. go out and find them. And uh, that's the, uh, I mean, there's no better way. You just engage the torpedo uh, when you get to a likely area. You know, a lot of a lot of what we were doing, or uh, you know, especially what he was doing, was, was using it to troll. Um, you know, trolling mm -hmm. crankbaits and. Uh, just covering water. And then when you start to find, you know, when you find one, slow down and work it over a little better. Hopefully you find a few more. If not, just keep moving. And, um, he finally found an area where it, it, it was almost like, a uh, you know, largemouth bass kind of pre-spawn area. Cause it was, um, and the fish just kept showing up. He had a good day oh, or wow. two, had two good days before I ever went over. And then we went and had a really good day. I didn't catch any big fish, but I caught, I mean, I think, uh, but it was three of us that, that day. And I think we, we easily caught over 150 fish between three of us. Um, Ooh. it was lights out and then, yeah, yeah. And he, and Jeff ended up getting two over 40 inches that day. It was, it was a good day. 
Um, and then, of course, um, I wanted to solidify it second place. And then maybe I had hopes of catching Jeff, but he had went actually uh, the next day and caught a few more big ones and, 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 and upgraded his slot fish. And so he made it tough. To, I said, man, you're making it tough to catch you. Um, but we we went again and I had finally got a couple bigger fish and yeah every day we went it just got better and better so it's a shame they're closing it down yeah that's that's unfortunate it's something to do with the uh the recreational side gets affected by the commercial side which is insane yeah it's yeah it's it's Maryland (laughs) yeah it's definitely Maryland uh playing to the commercial fishery uh, I mean the the recreational fishery that that they closed down is it was catch and release anyway. Um, yes. Yeah. Very few, very few fish being killed doing that. Um, just, yeah, did that. I could go on a whole long rant about that. <laughs> I imagine. Um, I could go on it too. <laughs> everyone is. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes absolutely no sense. It's just, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're trying, I think if anything, they're trying to make it look like they're trying to do something, but obviously not the, not the right thing scientifically or common sense that, you know, any angle you take, it just doesn't add up uh, other than they're catering to the commercial side. So they're not cutting anything off the commercial side, but they're, they're limiting when the right guys can fish. So. Which is pretty lame that you pay a license fee and everything too, to be able to fish. It's and, very lame. Yeah. And then they're going <laughs> to deplete the fishery by letting the, Commercial guys come in and rape and pillage it. Yeah, it's, that makes a whole it, lot of sense. Uh, I mean, it's a whole lot of sense. It's a battle. Yeah, it's a it's a battle that's it's been going on for you know a few years. You know, I, I'm sure you know, but ten maybe twenty years ago, you know, back in the '80s, they had a moratorium. Like it got so bad, they mm-hmm. shut the whole fishery down for ten or fifteen years. Uh, unfortunately, it keeps. I mean, it looks like it's heading back to that. Uh, it's heading back to that because. You know they're just not doing the right steps to to try and preserve the fishery, and it gets a little bit worse every year. You know, the, there are a lot of big fish around, um, but a lot of the year classes in between that it, they're not there, and the numbers of fish from those year classes are just not there. And so, um, I you know being being uh, I you know, talked about being blessed to be. I fished from Maine, you know, all the way up and down the coast. And I, I've, I've got a lot of really good friends that are, uh, they spend a lot of time on the water. They know the fishery um, you know, way better than I do. I mean, you know, Eric Harrison up in New England, I would put him up against anybody, boat, kayak, anything in, in Boston Harbor. I mean, he knows yeah. that fishery like the back of his hand. And if he tells you that, yeah, the stripers are coming falling off, then, you know, and there's the same, there's a guy here, fishes around dc and then maryland and it's the same thing in the bay guys in new jersey you know all up and down the coast it's the same thing it's uh yeah i'm, I'm hoping it's they, definitely they not heading the right direction. <laughs> yeah I, I mean I, i'm hoping uh i'm not optimistic though um it's just it, it's looking they're just doing the same same stuff it's just not heading in the right direction it hasn't been for probably six seven eight years now um so i, I don't know i i hope so too but We'll see. I'm not, I'm not as I'm not as optimistic as I am hopeful. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I know we have a lot of listeners that, that definitely target uh, redfish and speckled trout. So, you know, I usually do something on the show where I ask for a pick three 
That's where I asked my guests to uh, give me a rundown on three combos they would absolutely have on the water with them. You know, rod and reel, bait cast, spin cast, whatever it will be. And then the uh, what lures will be paired on that rod for, uh, say, redfish and speckled well, trout. I used combo. to taste a lot of red That was what I used to love to do when I was in Pensacola. Uh, eight years there. Um, so I, the three things, I, and probably this was almost any time of year um, when I was fishing for reds and specs, uh, I almost always had a top water on one. So I would have, you know, a seven foot six or seven foot, probably seven foot six St. Croix Legend Extreme Inshore uh, with a top water on one. Um, I would have a seven foot Legend Extreme Inshore with a uh, jerk bait on another. And most likely that would be a uh, Rapala Shatter Rat Shad. Um, and then to complete the cover of the water column, my other one would be a jig and some sort of soft plastic, um, probably a small paddle tail of some sort. Um, I'm trying to get off the top of my head now. I'm, I'm, I'm so far removed from that now, but yeah, Uh-oh. you know, probably a Z-Man paddle tail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but, and, and yeah, that, that pretty much covers the whole water column. Um, and I tell you, I, you would almost never find me red fishing or speckled trout fishing without the top water and the jerk bait on. Um, and sure. if I couldn't catch them on that, you know, then I slow down and use the jig and the soft plastic. But that, that was pretty much my game plan all 98% of the time on the water. And Pensacola is a little different. I mean, you have, you know, bays and stuff where you can target like a lot of structure, but then you have some flats and stuff you can hit too. So it's a little different. There's a little more oh, yeah. finesse approach to some of them over there. Also, it's like different. Yep. Yeah, oh, I love that area. I, I I hated to leave that area. I would go back in a heartbeat, especially fishing. I was yeah. There's some good, there's some good dudes over there too. Big Lagoon. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I lived ten minutes from Big Lagoon. You know, I was you know four miles from uh, Brandon Barton. Is you know he's yes. he's a big social media guy. Everyone seems to know that yeah. name. Uh, obviously on Team Torquedo now, which is a yeah. great move on their part. Great move, yes. Um, I lived like four miles from him, and we, we spent many, many hours of the water together. Yeah, I got to meet him and then Benson Parrot um, at the uh, oh yeah the ABF Redfish yeah. Championship in Gulf Shores there last year, and uh, you know spent some time with them chatting a bit, you know, and you know I'd love to get over there and fish Pensacola myself sometime because you know uh, some of the bay systems over there, Wolf Bay and Mobile Bay, kind of found some kind of similar stuff maybe to what's oh, yeah. over there. And I'd like to go experience some of that stuff. Um, you know, it's just yeah. a great fishery. I like Florida. Um, you, you know, I grew up in southeast Georgia. Guys, so. <laughs> couldn't find the better guys to do it with. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Well, cool deal, man. Well, yeah, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, you know, we touched a bit of good stuff on here, man. I enjoyed having you on tonight. Um, you know, and we'll give you a Thank chance here to, to to take take the mic and uh give some shout outs to some sponsors and some love to them and uh and your your family for you know, support they show you for letting you do this too so yeah go ahead oh, man yeah. Yeah, you, got, you always gotta throw the family out obviously the wife she still lets me get out and you know i obviously don't fish as much because of the kids and all their activities but yeah they're they're awesome the best part i my my boy's nine now and uh, he's actually mad at me for going fishing with Jeff the other day because he wanted to go too. He's like, Daddy, I want to catch a striper. 
<laughs> I came back seven All pictures right. and I'm very happy. Um, you know, I, I don't have any cold weather gear, and I, I just I, as bad as I wanted to take him, I couldn't. But anyway, he's got a uh, I got a Hobie Sport, a little nine footer for him, so he he's, he gets in his own kayak now, and uh, he's a trooper, man. He'll stay out on the water with me for 10, 10 hours sometimes, and, and oh, wow. doesn't complain. <laughs> so I cannot wait for him to get a little older and, and get more proficient. We're gonna we're gonna have some uh, some adventures for sure. I uh, believe. So yeah, it. thanks for that. <laughs> Definitely, Dan. Uh, you already mentioned Fish USA, um, Saint Croix rods, Torquedo, uh, Yak Attack, and then uh, you Nine Optics. That's uh, pretty much all the companies that, that I would say are sponsors. Um, I'm not as big into the tournament scene anymore as I used to be. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully that changes a little bit uh, with the KSS coming up. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, when, as, the, as the boy gets a little older, I'm going to get him into it. And hopefully, we'll be way back out doing a little bit more traveling and, and fishing some of the other tournament series. So, hopefully, I'll pick it back up here in a few years. Oh, man, that sounds good. Yeah, thank you for supporting the KSS. And we, we're definitely in in to grow this. So, yeah, man, I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your, your, your backstory and uh, a little bit with everybody else. And, uh, you know, just uh, I'd like to have you know, get some interesting guests on here. And that was like pretty cool when I started kind of trying to look at your backstory about the, the Naval, you know, coming in enlisted, going to college, coming back and being a Naval aviator, flying planes, flying fire planes in, in Australia, traveling all around, you know, it's just like, you got a pretty cool resume too. So I was like, man, I got to get this dude on here. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I, like I said, uh, like when you, when you uh, texted me, I said, I, you must be hurting for content. You want to have me on there, but uh, yeah, it was, it's a pleasure. Uh, uh, I, I love talking kayak fishing, obviously, and uh, yeah, oh, hour, yeah, I can't even believe it's already been an hour. So it went by fast. Yeah, don't don't uh, we all do love talking fishing? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, my, I can talk <laughs> the paint off a wall anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> exactly. Well, once again, yeah, uh, thanks yeah. to uh, you know, yeah. thank you for coming on. And if it wasn't for the listeners out there that tunes in, this wouldn't be possible, anyways. Uh, for tuning in to Chasing the Tide. Thanks for the show sponsors, Waterloo Rods and Truchador Co. And once again, y'all check us out on uh, all the podcast platforms. Uh, and then also, if you want to watch this on the video side of it, we also have a YouTube channel that it will be on. So check it out. And thanks for tuning in. I'm out, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.